0: One hundred four point seven. It's Adelaide's Triple M. Get all your sports news first for your Saturday morning. Dead set legends. You got Rocky Ferg and No Tomo. Yes, we're going to jump into the game last night. Now
1: Essendon took on Carlton, but it was the pre-game that uh, interests me the most last night. Ferg, you're an avid uh, Essendon supporter. For the listeners out there, how did you see the pre- pre-game go last night?
2: Oh, look, I, I thought it was magnificent. I obviously. Um have a vested interest um, being a long-term supporter. And, uh, you know, it's really disappointing, I suppose, from on one hand that we're not playing our best footy at the moment, but what they did do is is show a lot of class. And I thought bringing so many of the past players to the ground, not just to the ground, but to the, the, on the cut stuff, they were out there with the team just before the, just before the bounce. They were there for, uh, for the team chat, um, a stirring speech. I've been told um, from Dyson Heppel, um, we'll try and get Bluey's uh, take on that name a bit later on in the show, maybe. But uh, <laughs> certainly, um, I-, I loved I loved the fact that they they had the Don of Dons, Kevin Sheedy, walking down. The staircase amongst the fans who got right around him, uh, you know, in the spotlight. Then they had Lloydie out there throwing the grass up. They had the Dannerhurs at the ground, obviously. Um, great to see Neil out there. Um, yep. They're looking a looking a picture at the moment. The great man, um, and and then obviously uh, James Hurd was the big story. I think coming out of all of it, though, um, to see him walk out with the match ball, um, be announced to the to the crowd. Um, and a few highlights shown as well. I, I just thought it was fantastic to see a great of the game. Who's been through a war? Let's let's not uh, beat around the bush. He's been to hell and back um, on the back of the supplement saga. Um, and it, it was great to see the club and the AFL as a whole wrap their arms around him. I, I think you'll, you know, it's a, a divisive um, subject. James heard no doubt about it in the AFL community, but the way that he, uh, was brought back into the game and we, we wrapped our arms around him. I thought it was magnificent and uh, I just thought it was a really classy show to lead in and, you know, I, we know Essendon's not at their best at the moment but what they did do is show a lot of class and they celebrated what's been a very successful history of the club.
0: Bombers, let's hear it for James.
1: And of course, last night was a celebration of Essendon's 150th year celebration as a football club. They've been around for 150 years this season, but last night was earmarked to, to celebrate that against their arch rivals in Carlton. So we'll delve into the footy now, which uh, it wasn't the best spectacle. Carlton started really well. Essendon showed a bit of fight off the back of Dyson Heppel's um, chat pre-game as we touched on just before but then after that Carlton really controlled that game didn't they
2: yeah they did and and look I I think they showed their class and their ability to pile on uh, scoreboard pressure really really quickly a little bit like Melbourne do uh, they're starting to show some consistency with that Carlton they they probably still have the lapses uh, that melbourne were having in the lead up to when they really hit their straps at probably 18 tw- uh, you know 2 years ago 18 months ago but um, certainly they look at looked a class above all night Essendon just had to fight scratch scratch and claw their way to to sort of be competitive and get into the game um, but in the end it was that that bit of class
1: late in the first quarter, early in the second, that um, you know stood the teams apart. Yeah, it, it turned into a bit of a nil-all draw in the last quarter. It was sort of didn't really go anywhere, but it was great to see Caleb Marchbank off three years out of the game, back into Carlton's defence. Mm. And now I want to touch on the big story out of Thursday night, oh, where yes. we uh, we seen this incident take place.
0: Well, it was a massive passage of play. There was a collision down here. Butters and Jonas double head-on head. On head. Have a look at that Harvey Norman replay head on head frontal collision they both went oh. last maker that would have hurt. Yeah, that's the
1: old double knockout. Huge, huge contest. Wow. And they both ended up off the ground uh, requiring stitches. But I think the commentary around it's been unfair uh, yes. to the Port Adelaide doctors. And 100% and, the, and the commentary straight away, I think Channel 7 um, tried to cover it up at the time, but it was really poor, I think, to, to question a doctor's integrity mm. during the game and, and go after them around concussion. They've been cleared off the back of that. Um, I think Wayne Carey's comments around it were really good. He spoke about being a facial injury sometimes. When you get hit, in the face it's actually better than getting hit in the head you you don't get concussed it's more a superficial injury Mm. and, and you just need a stitch up so I think that uh, that was really poor form, at, uh, the commentary around this whole scenario. Yes, concussion is really important, but to, to question a doctor's integrity, and Mark Fisher is one of the best doctors in the AFL landscape. Yeah, well, you know firsthand,
2: obviously, working with him at the power, and, and I'm, I'm with you. I thought it was a bit um, over the top initially. Um, you've got to be very, very careful um, with where you tread with these these discussions because there are people that have done an enormous amount of research, an enormous amount of study to be in the positions they're in. They know more than we do. It's it, That's just a full stop at the end of that sentence because they've got the experience. He's been in the game how long now? 20 years? He's 25
1: years 25 at Port Adelaide. Yeah. yeah, so
2: he's seen it all in the in the AFL landscape. And, and there is a bit of a theory that gets around um, that when, when the, the face is busted open and the skin breaks and it is to the face rather than you know bluntly to the back of the head um there is less um less of a chance of concussion so look to to come out so wildly and 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 probably go over the top on and on bang on about the fact that there's a big story developing and you know this is controversial you know going over the top like that doesn't help anyone because it puts um, um puts uh, doctors under pressure going
1: forward now and that's not what they need they need but, clear air to make clear clear decisions absolutely i can't wait to- to chat to Chris Davies later in the show oh, about yeah. that. But up next, our man's not here, but he's left us a voicemail. <laughs> oh, Tomo, he hasn't.
0: we'll hear what he's got to say. Deadset Legends, Triple M. Morning. 104.7, it's Adelaide's Triple M. Deadset Legends with Tom Rockcliffe, Cal Ferguson, and Tomo, Jay-Z on the blow just after 9.30 this morning. Yeah, well, Tomo's not here today. He's left
2: us high oh, and dry, Rock, but uh, yeah, he's not here to say it himself, but it is a dead set picture out there. It's not a breath of wind, <laughs> no rain. But uh, we are here, and we've got plenty to talk about today. We've got Chris Davies coming up later yes. on in the show. We can't wait to get on to him and talk a bit about the, the, the discussion around concussions. But uh, right now, we've got Mark Tomo Thomas <laughs> with a voicemail that he's left for us. Piney. Have a listen,
0: guys. We go? The Dead Set Legends boys. Hello there, Rocky and Berg. Tomo here, as you've realised. Dead Set Legends Adelaide without Tomo. Is like the Melbourne Football Club without Stephen May. It's like Andy without Hamish. It's like Louis without Jack. Oh, no, I shouldn't. shouldn't (laughs) Anyway, all the very best. Enjoy yourselves. And uh, without me there controlling the ship, I reckon you're in some real strife. Because what you two bring to the table is nothing short of hideous. We'll start with you, Fergie. I'm the one that usually dominates the live reads. So without me, you're going to have to take over. Let's see what that sounds like, please. Catch all
2: the action live and free on Sandful (laughs) now or via the (laughs) AFL.com.au AFL app. Visit (laughs) sandfulnow.com.au for more info. State pride, nothing beats it.
3: Wow. (laughs) You can do us all a favour and shut up now. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, no. Now, nah, have a good one, boys. All the very
0: best. I'm uh, I'm sure it's going to be a phenomenal show. I
1: was on debut. I know he's a little bit older. I know that he's 20 years old, but he's only 20 years old. And to be able to do that is just yeah.
0: phenomenal. I'm just blown away. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm blown away. He's still got a good crop. See you next week, boys. Was that James Brayshaw or was that Tomo? Oh, exactly. He, he, he thinks, exactly. He thinks he's James Brayshaw. He does. Yeah. He uh,
1: he's left an, a kind voicemail, but I think the uh, I think the show's going much better
2: without him. Oh, absolutely! And I tell you what, all of this is taking a lot less takes. He pre-records most of this oh. show, most of his stuff, not our stuff. We we do it all live, but his stuff is is majority pre-record. Time in, time it. He just keeps stuttering and
1: spluttering, and he, he cuts his stuff up, doesn't he? But he leaves all of our stuff ups in there, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he leaves our stuff ups, but he's very good at cutting his own out, and he, he pushes all the buttons behind there. So if we ever have an interview that we have to pre-record, because the guest may uh, have another commitment, he always mm. edits it up. So he sounds fantastic, and we sound really poor. But I think it's important that we check in to see what Tomo's up to. Yeah, let's catch up with him. Warm
3: campfires out at Kaipo Forest with swags, marshmallows, and the parents having way too many frosts. Oh, no. <laughs> it's quite embarrassing for me, actually, because I used to build this track out. Oh, great memories. It's Jimmy Barnes and Working Class Man. 104.7, oh, Triple no. M.
4: No.
3: <laughs> triple M's Dead said Legends. AFL Newsbreaker, Jay Clark.
1: Yes, we got Jay Clark, the best in the business. Oh, How yes. are we,
3: Jay? Hello boys,
5: great to be with you once again Been a big couple of days
1: Big big couple of days and we heard Ken Hinckley on Wednesday I think asked for a reverse press conference (laughs) And we got that after the game on (laughs) Tuesday night You and uh, Ken went head to head
3: This is because of the seriousness of the issue Obviously at the moment the climate In the AFL So do you think a doctor of 25 years would take a risk with concussion With the the seriousness of the injuries that go on now with concussion I wouldn't have thought they would know So can we stop the questions? Oh, it's just the look of it, that's all. No, I'm asking you, I've I've tried to answer it for you as well as I can. Yeah, no, I'm just saying it is is the look of it. I get what you're saying, Jay, but I'm also saying back to you... Gotcha.
1: Oh, a little bit feisty there, Jay. What's uh, what's the fallout been from that?
5: Yeah, no, look, I love uh, love Ken Hinckley, big camper down Ken. I used to report <laughs> on um, Ken Hinkley when he was coach at Bell Park in Geelong 20 years ago. Wow. And it was absolutely outstanding then. So we go uh, way back. That was just some friendly banter. But the thing is, like, concussion needs this questioning. It needs this scrutiny. For too mm. long, clubs have been able to put players back out there in-game the following week. Too soon, we remember Justin Kaczynski. And Ooh. now there's hundreds of players with lifelong problems, right? right? So what simply can't happen anymore is that this stuff can be dismissed. So Ken says there, hang on, our doctor says blah, blah, blah. Let's go back to 2016. Hamish Hart was sent back out there too early. The club was fined $20,000. It needs scrutiny, and that is why there is a push and a significant push to have an independent um, assessor, an independent doctor, either making these calls or making these calls in conjunction with the club doctor. Therefore, it takes the scoreboard out of it. Now, I sympathise with the doctors because, you know, they're in a difficult position. They've got to make an assessment in three, five, six minutes. Well, Tom Jonas was back out in six, butters eight or, or the reverse. Now, um, that is a very quick amount of time we know that delayed concussion is a serious thing where symptoms present hours later or days later. Mm. Now, to make that call within five, six minutes, I think is an extraordinary difficult task. One certainly I wouldn't want, and I think around all these concussion incidents, the league has to scrutinise them, and they have, they went back to the club, they've checked off, they've given out the big green tick, and we move on. But the optics of that, of that incident, on the surface looked terrible, and it deserved questioning, and it got that.
2: Yeah, it certainly did, Jay-Z. That was uh, highly entertaining TV. Let me give you the hot <laughs> tip now. Um, Port, uh, they're in a world of hurt now after that loss. We were talking uh, earlier in the season about they needed to to win a couple, drag a few back that weren't necessarily expected. Well, they weren't able to do that, were they? And, they, and they're in a bit of a hole.
5: Yeah, it looks difficult for them to make finals now. I mean, it's a huge amount um, of climb you'd admire the way they've tried to remain in the finals race and the other night against Richmond, they were pretty good I think probably the scoreline flattered them a little bit, um, going to be interesting to see how the season pans out from here
1: Now Melbourne, there have been uh, the talk of the town, punch-ons at, at oh. restaurants etc, where's all that at?
5: DMA. Yes, well I think the part of the story which um, hasn't been revealed just yet is the tireless efforts of Michael Hibbard within that box on to try and contain uh Stephen Mace. I think <laughs> uh, I think I think there was some attempts to try and squash May, to just try and, you know, literally contain him um, and calm him down. Uh, but it got to the point where even the great Michael Hibbard couldn't stop him and then Jake Melksham just said, Hang hey, on, boy, like, Hibbo, step aside, let me finish this <laughs> So you know he's he, he, I mean, he was a very strong man um, to his absolute credit. He he tried to sort of um, stop things without sort of Jakey uh, unleashing his fists. But um, a valiant effort, which didn't happen. But now, I mean, all eyes on Monday. I think Simon Goodwin acknowledged yesterday that clearly they've got some work to do to patch things up. It's it's an ugly look. And Collingwood trying to – a plucky Collingwood trying to inflict their third straight loss um, on Monday. So it's an absolute massive game. Rocky, have you ever seen anything like that? Have you ever seen teammates come to blows? I know it can be competitive and um, you guys spend a lot of time
1: with each other but what happens when that happens yeah i, I have uh, it's happened heaps of times during training um also on on the drink as well i've seen it happen a couple of times as well being a part of it it's uh, it's never a good you, you try and uh, break bread as quick as you can after it and move on but i don't think it's ever the same and it'll take a little bit of uh, rebuilding to get the trust back uh, for each other there and rebuild that relationship
5: I think we'll find that Steve May might just uh, put the beers uh, to the side for mm. the rest of the season and perhaps longer.
2: Yeah, I think you're right there, Jay-Z. Now, Essendon last night. Yep. It's, it's disappointing that the 150th came up when Essendon is is such a meek side at the minute. But it was a great celebration leading into the game. And we saw the great James Hurd back in Essendon colours.
5: Yeah, brilliant spectacle. You can't underestimate how big this is. Now, James Hurd watches his son... <laughs> in and VFL games. He stands on the other side. He wears a cap and dark glasses. He doesn't really engage. He doesn't say much at all. For him to last night step into that public spotlight for the first time since the whole supplement saga, um, absolutely messi- uh, massive. I'm sort of told behind the scenes, you know, he was a bit emotional at times and, you know, just loved being back amongst some of his teammates and his uh, former players, etc. So it was a huge return for James. You know, it's been so... Um, yeah, difficult, bitter at times with the whole supplement saga. But hopefully, this is um, yeah you know, a huge step for him to being more comfortable around the club. And I think they just did it so well. The whole uh, pre-match celebration with brilliant.
1: Now, Jay, I know there's not much interest in this game, North Melbourne versus Giants. Will we get a thousand people to this game tomorrow? Oh,
5: well, geez. if it, if. The, There is serious fears they'll get less than 10,000. And that is, I I think if they cop a 10-goal loss again, like if they get belted and less than 10,000 people, I think that is official alarm bells for this football club. So I think tomorrow is a huge game for them. The fans are voting with their feet. The scoreboard's horrendous. They've dropped Taron Thomas, who's probably their best player at the moment. So, look, they're taking action there, but I think the crowd is going to be a huge story. It is going to be an empty, empty joint Marvel Stadium tomorrow.
2: Uh, Jay-Z, you're a star, mate, and you're the, uh, just holding rocky scoops. Rockcliffe at Bay at the moment is the best <laughs> in the business. Great to have you on again, mate.
1: You're on your fellas. going you. We
2: belong together. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Stories from home and away. Yes, home and away. It's a favourite of ours, Rocky. We love going down uh, memory lane from some of the stories from home and and not necessarily from home sometimes. I was fortunate enough to be graced with the presence of one Greg Blewett on the golf course
4: out
2: at Koo Yonga Golf Club. The other day, Wednesday actually, nice early tea time we had and uh, I got in the car and thought, oh, yeah, look, it's always a bit tough getting away. You know what it's like with kids in the yes. morning. But I got away and thought, yeah, no, nah, I'm going to be there 5, 10 minutes early. I'll be right. And I get a missed call on my phone. I see at uh, 7.31 and we've got a tea time at 7.41 from Greg Blewett. <sighs> missed call. I thought, oh, jeez, 10 minutes. And I was listening to the rush hour from the night before and I thought, oh, that must have been why I missed it. So I gave him a call and gee whiz the fluster on his voice when, <laughs> when he answered i said you're all right blue he goes oh mate mate i had a tough night last night i slept in my alarm didn't go off and all the excuses started coming out <laughs> i said tell me what's happening blue oh look i think i'm going to be a bit late and i said right well I, I know there's a time a little bit later with a few gaps so i'll ring up the pro shop and i'll get it sorted for a later tea time so anyway we got we got down to the course and i'm on the range hitting a few balls there nice and early and uh, bluey hobbles over to me. Like, I mean, he's got a proper hobble on. I mean, I, I saw him towards the end of his career in his playing days when he bowled a couple of overs, but this was a proper hop-along. And uh, he came, I said, Blue, mate, jeez, his hat was sort of tilted on his head, shirt half tucked in. Come on, like, Blue. Very young Kuyonga-like. He was lucky not to have his membership torn up right there and then. But uh, he said, oh, mate, it's been a tough one. And I said, well, here's a couple of couple of my balls. Get warmed up anyway. Jeez, mate, he looks stiff as a board, honestly. like oh, He looked like an <laughs> 80-year-old man, really struggling after a long walk. So, and Anyway, we get out in the tee, and he's he's knocking the ball down the middle of the fairway. As he does, good goal for Bluey. And uh, anyway, so we we get halfway round, and I'm you know I'm not normally sort of um, starting to think, you know, why why are you so sore, Blue? What's happened? You know, how did you do? It? And he said, "Oh, mate, I, I woke up, my alarm didn't go off." He starts going into one of those. <laughs> snooze fest stories out in the golf course so anyway he uh, he tells me all about it you know he got into the shower and he he went to get out in a rush rush for his towel and slipped on the tiles oh, and his no. and his glute went on him and then he he reached over to you know dry his toes and his back went on him and he, the sob story was just it was horrific to listen to but anyway uh by about the the ninth hole rocky you know i i'm normally you know 10 20 meters past him off the tee and So you're a longer driver than him? Oh generally yeah. Generally just yeah. get the ball out past him he hits this little uh Fairy fade (laughs) down there, tries to just knock it in the middle of the fairway and play nice and safe. I hit these big, booming, drawing bombs out there at Cooey. Don't worry. Sometimes three or four fairways to the left, but I get them down there okay. But when on the ninth, I I looked back and could barely see him, he was about 50, 60 (laughs) metres back down the fairway. I thought, all right, well, these Voltarans I've had in my bag the whole round might be worth offering him one. He
3: was nowhere.
2: Is, uh, Is Bluey a cart guy? Oh, Bluey! No, you probably could have used one
0: that yeah, day. Let God. me give you the hot tip: They don't make Mercedes Benz, do they? One o four point seven. It's Adelaide's Triple M Dead Set Legends. You got Rocky Ferg and No Tomo this morning. Ferg, you've got a text from the Triple M text line: o four triple eight five one o four seven. Yeah, it's been running hot. But
2: uh, Tony's text in. He's in awe of journalists. they coaches, club administrators. <laughs> List managers and now doctors. Is there anything they can't do? Oh,
1: they're logs. <laughs> <laughs> He's not happy with them at all. They can do everything now. Us, oh. us in the media, we're uh, experts at everything. That's right. But uh, you just name it, not good at anything. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> a jack of all trades, master of none. Now the big news at the start of the week was around the Melbourne Football Club mm. and what what transpired there. So we've seen that Stephen May and Jake Melchum ended up in a fifty-cuff and. Uh, we're seeing Stephen May get suspended for that. Mm. Uh, Melchim has since had surgery on his hand that was infected after I think he went bop-bop and mm-hmm. uh, knocked May over. But the topic we want to talk about is uh, the drinking, drinking while injured. Um, yeah. We know that you play team sport and it's a little bit different at professional level down to uh, country level. There's yeah. always beers flowing after a game at oh, country yeah. level. But uh, at the top top level, there's always rules and stuff around six-day breaks or when the next game is yeah. and, and drinking while injured. Do you have any good stories around that, Food?
2: Oh, look, there's, there's obviously, um, as you go through the eras, and I was uh, <laughs> privy to a few different <laughs> eras. I, I remember uh, at the end of a Shield game um, over in Perth, I, I flew in just to play the one day, and there was a day between the Shield game finishing and the one day kicking off, and... Let's just say it wasn't just the beers flowing, the bourbons, <laughs> and the vodkas at the end of that Shield game were flying. I had to get out of there quick smart, having not played the game and not really earning those beers or, or vodies. But um, yeah, that, that was a different era. That was, you know, when I was 18 years old and that's a long time ago.
1: <laughs> but For reference, uh, how old are you?
2: so i'm 37 turning 38 um so that was a, you know a long ago. time ago but um these days it's very different so i've played through some periods where there was um you know effectively no drinking um you know there'd been bans put on it and and i'm a firm believer that doesn't work i mean i think you've got to treat professionals as professionals and and um you know your your performances will inevitably decide whether you get picked or not and I think most players will do the right thing and and but the younger players probably need a little bit of guidance at times but um certainly there was at stages regulations around you know if you're injured what you what you're drinking might look like and and whether you should be or shouldn't be you know the the general rule I reckon um over my time was if you injury would yeah that's a that's a no fly zone. You know you you keep clear of 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 the booze um through that period. I was probably taking it a little bit further than that. You know if I had a little niggle I I'd try not to even have a have a beer because I I just at the back end of my career it would just affect me for too long. Um and that was just age probably more than anything. Um but Earlier in my career, if I, if I had a soft tissue injury, it was sort of four to five days where I wouldn't even look at it. But inevitably, it would probably eke out a bit longer. What about you, Rock? Yeah, I
1: think um, I would have liked to play cricket four or five days. I think if you do a soft tissue <laughs> in AFL, it's just a, a no-go zone until mm. you're back playing. So that's potentially three weeks without Grog, which a lot mm. of players don't drink nowadays anyway. Yeah, compared, right. I'm a bit like you, 2008, eight's very different to 2022. Yeah, so that's right. Um, I think for the longer term injuries, it was always, you you sort of have a week or two if you have surgery or whatnot, clearly no drinking around that. But once you get out of that, you can, you can have, um, beers within reason. Mm. I think I always had a few beers after a game. I didn't really focus too much on whether it was a five or six, seven day break, but I wasn't going out drinking. I'd have a couple of beers at home just to wind down from the game. And then go to bed. I think I always got wound up after games and found it really hard to sleep. I know there's a lot of people in a similar boat. You play Mm. a night game, get home at 11 o'clock, and then you're still staring at the roof at 4 a.m. So I always found that a couple of beers after the game would take the edge off a little bit. Um, I don't think I ever did when I was injured. Um, I'm trying to think back. I don't think I ever did or push the boundaries. I know that when I was out for a longer-term injury or, or rib injury, I'd wait a, a yep. week or two and, and then have a couple. But I don't think there's anything wrong with having a, a red wine over a dinner midweek, even nowadays. Mm. If you have one or two reds with dinner on a, a Wednesday night, I don't think it's going to affect your performance on a Saturday afternoon playing a game.
2: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that um, you know treating players as adults is the way forward. I feel like I was involved in teams where – when those really harsh, strict restrictions were put on, the players felt like they were being treated like, like school children. And, and I don't think that works. And, and the players don't feel like there's any trust in them. I think you get far
1: more beneficial um, results from treating players as adults. Yeah, I think so. I think once you, you you make it a hard and fast, no no drinking, I think rules get made to be broken. Yeah. We had a couple at Brisbane that were at different times where it was no drinking at all. And it just sets everyone up to fail and then... Um, when you're losing and then you put a drinking ban on, there's no outlet or, or no enjoyment at all. You're not winning. You're not um, uh, having a good time away from the field as well. What about a beer the night before, Rock? Have you ever had a beer the night before? Um, I did. Yeah, I have. Not many. I have once but... or twice. Um, only, not massive. Um, I, I did. Uh, I was going through a fair bit at different times throughout the yep. career and just. Um, one of the welfare officers at the time took me away and we just had a, a chat and, and a couple of beers, nothing nothing major, mm. but it was more to get away and um, talk about what was going on inside my head more so than, mm. uh, yeah, anything else. Yeah, I did it a few times, just one or two with
2: dinner or a glass of red and just felt a bit flat the next morning, so I stopped doing it, but... Um yeah, there was a there was an occasion I played a, a a club cricket game over in England and things went a bit awry.
1: <laughs> Had a good day the next day, made a hundred. Well, there's great, took a couple of great weeks stories too, right? about Andrew <laughs> Simons rocking up to to the game still still drunk. After yeah, the game against <laughs> Bangladesh in a World Cup game yeah. and uh, got pulled out of the eleven and they lost. <laughs> yeah, they got <laughs> rolled against, against Bangladesh. But just uh, after the break, the Crows rebuild. Mm. Where they're at. Two and a half years in, can't yes. wait to get in the this. Really great discussion, this one, and we've got CD a bit later on. Chris
0: Davies from Port Power to talk about you know, all things port and, and the concussion stuff. And Rusty's motorsport update as well. Deadset le- Legends, Triple M. 104.7, it's Adelaide's Triple M, 12 degrees for your Saturday morning Deadset Legends. Yeah, we thought it was a great
1: time with the Adelaide Crows having the buy to just check in on their rebuild. Two and a half years in, we'd love to hear from the family as well on oh four triple five. O four go again 0-4-8-5-1047. that's the one um, on the text line to send through if uh, they agree with what we have to say now yeah. or, or where they see the Adelaide Crows at at the moment. So, mm. two thousand and twenty, Matty Nix took over. Yep. Um, they won three games. They won seven last year. They've won their four games this year, but. I think they've started to stagnate a little bit this year. I think we've seen some improvement in 2021, particularly their time in front. So they went from 23% of their games being in front in 2020 to 33%. This year, that's come back to 30%. So they've only been in front in games for 30% mm. of their games this season. There's a there's a huge stat, uh, Ferg, around what actually wins your grand finals and, and wins your big games, and that's intercept scores. Mm-hmm. So I'll read out the last five grand final winners. They were first, 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 third, and second. So they were able to score off the turnover, um, their ability to go back at the opposition. The Adelaide Crows in that time are 17th, 17th, and 14th this year. So they they haven't um, been able to win the ball back and then go straight back at the opposition they've had a huge turnover of new faces. So we have to give them a little bit of time. We have to be patient with them. They've had 22 new faces come in. Yeah. Um, we know they've brought in some high-end talent. They've got rid of um, a few players that they've, they've moved on, either through retirement or, or Brad Crouch, for instance, yes. that, that went to another club. So f- for me, though, the, the big one this year that where they've gone back is their front half intercept game. Um, in 2018, they were last. Last year, they got to ninth. Mm. So they were really good at locking that ball in. Yeah, so that's a huge spike to go from last in the competition to ninth. This year they're back to fifteenth. Oh, yeah. So that they just can't keep that ball in their front half once they go inside. They're inside 50 counts, very similar. That their pressure again is something that would be concerning Matthew Nixon and the Adelaide Crows coaching department. Their pressure differential against their opposition have been eighteenth in 2020. 18th in 2021 and only spiked to 14th this year so you need to get a lot higher than that I think the key points for me out of uh, where the rebuild's at I think it's stagnated this year I don't think we're seeing great progression there they have got younger so they've brought in all these uh, drafts uh, younger kids so in 2020 their experience um, in the competition they were 13th with 57 games, which um, it isn't too bad, but but quite young as well. They were 13th in the comp for age, so uh, reasonably young. But over that time, they now sit 18th in both. So they're the Cheerios. least experienced team in the competition for age and, yep. and games played. So I think we have to be a little bit patient on that mm. front, give them a little bit of time. Yeah. But the big thing... For them at the moment, who's going to replace Tex Walker when he leaves? I don't think. I think we can sit here and all acknowledge that Tex isn't going to be there when they're competing for that flag. Yeah, that's right. They rely heavily on him. he's when they take marks inside 50, he takes 17% of those marks over that time. Yeah. And we know that he missed. He's missed 10 or 11 games through that period through injury and suspension. He's clearly their leading goal kicker over that time. The, the one thing that really concerns me with the Crows, over the last two and a half years, they're the worst uncontested mark differential team in the competition by a long way. Mm. So what that tells me is they can't kick the ball yep. and mark the ball. So when oppositions come at them, they can't retain possession. So to give you an idea of how poor they've been at that, they're minus 673 uncontested marks. Jeez. Number 17 in the competition is... Four, minus 470. So they're over 200 marks behind the next worst in the competition. So they can't control the game and their skills aren't at the level at the moment.
2: Gee, that's tough. I mean, it's hard to hear, I'm sure, for all the Crows fans out there. I'm going to ask you a little bit about their competitiveness. Now, they've been – they're 4-8 at the moment, and they really weren't far away from potentially being 6-6, and all Right Now, the previous – year 18 months they've they've been probably nowhere near as competitive so those numbers are diving but I would have suggested to the naked eye um, and from an outsider's view and not having played the game like you have I mean those those stats belie what's been happening on the win loss and perhaps week-to-week competitiveness how, how do you explain that
1: well, I think they've certainly been a lot more competitive, and that goes—that speaks to their percentage. So often, when you're going through a rebuild, you might not win all those games that you want to, but percentage is really important. So that's points for and points against. Uh, they haven't improved their points for that much, but they they sit at eighty-two percent on on the ladder. They were eighty-two percent last year as well. So I think they need a find a way, and they certainly are, they're in a lot more games, and as you said, they could have potentially won a few more games, had the ball bounced the other way and whatnot. Mm. So I think they are more competitive, but for me... 2023, they need a serious spike in performance. Otherwise, there has to be a blowtorch on this footy club. Well, we've
2: seen um, other teams be able to enact a a rebuild and have almost instantaneous results and growth. We saw Essendon play finals last year. They've had a little bit of a setback this year, but that's not uncommon with young teams to sort of ebb and flow a little bit, inconsistency uh, showing through. Um, Hawthorne, the same, Um, look to be playing a really – Exciting brand of footy. You can tell what they're trying to do. Um, I've looked at the Crows and thought from an outsider that they're really focusing on their defence and trying to get a bit, you know, just a bit more steel about them. It seems to me that they have. Are the numbers suggesting that to you?
1: Yeah, they have. So their points against over that time, they were 18th clearly in 2020 when they won the wooden spoon. They went to 16th last year. So their defence slightly improved. They're going to 13th this year. So they've jumped a few spots, which is good, but... If you want to be a really good team, you've got to force your way in, into the top eight in that stat. And I think they're, that, that's one thing that's tracking okay for them and, and heading in the right direction. But a big, big game's coming up for them now. That They need to finish the season really strong. And I'm not sure that uh, the Crows fans will be that more patient if they don't see a spike, particularly next year, but in the back half of this year. But if in 2023, if they don't get that big spike then that there has to be serious questions asked. So
2: I see Essendon and and Hawthorne and, and Essendon, I haven't really really been able to work out exactly what they're trying to do this year. I could last year. Hawthorne, I've I've generally had a bit of an idea as to what they're trying they're trying to, you know, be really aggressive and probably free up the side compared to what Clarkson was playing under. With the Crows, as I mentioned, defensive focus it seems to my naked eye. Do you think that's going to help them get to where they're spiking and is that going to help them get to their next flag. Is that got to be their focus or do they need to go the other way and, and loosen up, do you think?
1: I think they, the, the important thing that we've noticed this year is momentum. So your offense has got to be really sound and Melbourne won a premiership off that. Years gone by and history will tell you that your defense needs to be really sound to win grand finals, but I don't think that's the case. I think you need to have a balance of both. Yes, you need to be able to defend really strong, not give up a score. But when you have that momentum, you've got to be able to hit the scoreboard. And the Crows can't do that at the moment. We've spoken about it at length earlier this season. That's the polish you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, the polish, it? the skills, the ability to just to be able to find a target inside 50 or even out on the wing. If you miss that kick and then the ball comes back the other way. So you've got to, they've got to do a lot of um, skill development, I think, through the summer to, to really get that spike in performance.
2: Now, they've brought Jordan Dawson in. I want to ask you this question. Do you think someone like that who has the polish, has the class, can have a positive impact on the players around him and bring them along with him?
1: Yeah, I think he can. I think we've seen him and I would put him down to probably the most important between him and Tex Walker at, at uh, the Adelaide Crows. So I think if they continue to develop and continue to work hard, we said that they've got younger. These kids n- really need to grab hold of this group now, the Schoenbergs, Macasi's, Dawson. That they need to really drive it. Berry, I know they're only young where they're coming through, but they've got to grab hold of it. Tilthorpe, Rochelle, really grab the footy club and take it forward. If
2: I'm a Crows fan, I'd be a little bit excited about some of the stuff I've seen this year. Those numbers don't necessarily read that well, but I, I, just the way I've been watching them go about it, I just feel like they're close to a spike. I don't know what you feel like.
1: Um, yeah, not sold on them yet because I think they want to play this front half game, which they haven't been able to execute, Mm. um, to the nth degree yet. They say they want to be a dogfight team. They're a stoppage team at the moment. And when you take stoppage away from them, they get blown away. So Mm, to get where they want to get to, they've got to grow certain parts of their game. There There you have it. What a wrap up that
2: was there, Piney. That was fantastic. Wasn't it? We've got CD coming
1: up soon. Yeah, that was great. we've got Chris Davies coming
2: up shortly. So hang in there guys. Have a listen. Uh, over the next little uh, little bit, maybe an hour and a half left in the show, it's going to be Chris Davies coming up soon, along with a little bit of a, a, a bluey bake again. He's been in the gun over the last couple of days. It's
0: going to be great. Next, Rusty's Motorsport Update for Bendix. Bendix Brakes, put your foot down with confidence. Triple M's dead set Legends. you got Tom Rockcliffe, Cal Ferguson, Tomo, Triple M. We'll get to Rusty in just a sec, but guys, our producer, Tom, has just handed you guys a piece of paper. Is it breaking? What is it? It's breaking,
2: Piney, and cool. it's not good news for the Bulldogs superstar, Bailey Smith. There's there's some photos uh, circulating around social media and a lot of WhatsApp groups around footy clubs nationwide. Uh, it's of Bailey Smith at a party with what looks like a, sus- a suspicious white substance in a clear plastic bag, Um, it doesn't look great, Um, he looks pretty excited
1: about what's happening in the photo, Um, and there's also a video, I believe, getting around Rocky. Yeah, video um, is also in circulation of Smith at a party where he leans away from the camera before returning, it's unclear when they were recorded or what the substance is at this stage, but I don't think it bodes too well for Bailey Smith and the Western Bulldogs moving forward. No.
2: And unfortunately um, for for the AFL, there's been some um, suspicious incidents uh, in the past with a number of different players and, and, it never bodes well for the for the team involved as well. It it tends to be a bit of a distraction,
1: doesn't it, when these things are going on? Melbourne are dealing with a slightly different issue at the moment. Yeah, they are. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on it for you. And if any more information comes to hand, we'll uh, we'll let the listeners know out there.
0: Dead set legends, Triple M. And we got crow's tickets up for grabs when we open the oh, lines. One triple three five three.
2: Brilliant. And uh, what's not so brilliant is the photo appearing recently. It's been getting around of bulldog superstar Bailey Smith with a suspicious bag of white powder. And there's a video as well, Rocky uh, mentioned just before, but
1: Scoops Rockcliffe has a little bit more to add to this story. As per usual, he's got the inside word. Yes, the Western Bulldogs uh, made a statement. They said they're aware of images of Bailey Smith circulating on social media. The club is investigating the legitimacy of these images and is not in a position to comment further at the time. The AFL is also currently investigating the Bailey Smith photo that appears to show him with a bag of white powder per Journalist Sam Edmond, So there, there's a bit to play out there as the morning goes, and I imagine over the weekend. But now we want to get into, we want to open the phone up to the family out there. One triple three five three. Get get involved uh, with a few phone calls. We want to speak about state of origin. Yes, is there a place for it in AFL? Off the back of the NRL this week, they had eighty thousand there on Wednesday night. At uh, in Sydney Olympic Park, huge, huge game. What a game it was too, Rob. I think it's the one thing that the NRL does much, much better than the AFL. They continue to have this state of origin. A lot of people out there say it's not, imp- it's impossible to get it up and, and running in the AFL, but I disagree. I, I think we look across the sports over in America. They've got all star weekends where they they have these weekends in the NFL, NBA, the AFL. We know wants to be uh, an American sport with the way oh, they yeah, do the drafts and everything. So my idea for it is, Ferg, um, if you don't mind me going Fire here, up. just scrap scrap the bo- the three buy rounds, have one buy round, and make it Vicks versus South Australia one year and WA versus the Allies. Mm-hmm. The next year, Vic take on Western Australia, SA take on the Allies. The year after, Vic versus the Allies, SA versus WA. So every three years, you're playing the same one, but you, you get the combination, two two rounds. I think the fans would love it. I think they'd turn up and watch it, and it's an, another cash cow for the AFL to potentially uh, put some money back into to lo- local footy and grassroots. I'm with you, Rock. I, I miss it dearly. I loved it as a kid
2: watching uh, South Australia and the Vicks. And, and to be honest, um, I reckon now with all the the access we have to every game being available um, on on all sorts, you know, Foxtel, Channel 7. Like, you could watch both games, no problems. Um, I I would absolutely love it, and I'd look forward to every one of them. I'm staggered. The AFL let it die. And and I think as much as anything, you you get what you put into it. And they didn't put a lot into it in those last few years, and they just really allowed it to fizzle out. I'm with you. I think it would add so much to the winter. I think it really would be a far better option than all these buy rounds with, um, you know, just it, it seems so clunky and disjointed at the moment with all these buy rounds. I just don't like it. And this would be a fantastic
1: way to amend it. I think it's perfect. Of course, you're going to get injuries out of it. But if you said to the players... As an ex-player, of course, I would have loved to represent my state um, if I had the opportunity to. And I think there is a, still a chance for this to get off the ground and to evolve the game and continue to grow it. I think State of Origin still has a place in AFL footy, and I think it's time to come back. So let's open the phones up. One triple three five three. Get involved, family. Want to hear your thoughts, whether you turn up, whether State of Origin should come back. And even tell us about some of the stories of when you
2: went to... Uh, state of origin games, what you loved about it and why it should come back. Yep, and uh,
0: best caller will sort you a prize. Tickets to the Crows v Demons July 2 at Adelaide Oval. one 5 3 give us a call. Dead set Legends, Triple M. 104.7, it's Adelaide's Triple Ebb dead set Legends. You've got Tom Rockcliffe, Cal Ferguson, and no tomo this morning. State of origin in the AFL, Rocky.
1: Yes, we've put it back on the table. We've seen
0: the yes. NRL do it, how
1: well they do it. It's, it's huge up in Queensland. I spent a lot of time up there. One triple three, five three family. Get involved. Do you want to see state of origin back in the AFL? Up in Queensland, Ferg, it's huge. They oh, start yeah. talking about state of origin in December. Who's going to play, <laughs> who's not going to play. Queensland versus New South, it divides the states, the borders. It's, it's such a big thing for the NRL, and, and we've seen 80,000 turn up when there's yep. when there's crowds just aren't turning up. They, they average about ten fifteen thousand 15,000 to their game sometimes in yeah, NRL, right. and they've got 80,000 to a state of origin game. I'd love to see the best players from all the states Take on each other. um, Scrap the three buy rounds. We don't need three rounds of buys. Make it one weekend. Like Even this weekend when there's no local footy on. Mm. What an opportunity to get state footy back on the agenda. Play Vicks versus SA one year. WA versus allies. And then mix it up. Vic versus WA. SA versus allies. The opportunity to pull on the state of origin jumper would be massive, I would have thought.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. And I think there needs to be, uh, you know, some incentives. You know, I know in the NRL they're paid 50 grand or more per game they play in the in the um, state of origin. And even within the AFL, look, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way they go to incentivise it. But make a big song and dance about best on ground. And we talk about Norm Smiths and we talk about um, premiership medals and brown lows, you know, the, the – um, best on ground in a state of origin game, should be held in the highest regard along with those awards. And I just think that that was potentially part of the reason why it just fizzled out. But uh, we've actually got Dylan on the line from Mount Barker. He's got something he wants to add to this to this discussion. Rocky.
1: Dylan. Hey,
2: how hey are
4: you? Guys, how you going? Good. Well, I guess my my point was, I mean, I, I loved it. I used to watch it as a kid, you know, SA versus Victoria. I loved it. But the question I thought was being posed was... For example, say Buddy Franklin plays and he does his knee. Who, how does Sydney get reimbursed for that when they're coming into the most important part of the season? So he's out now for the rest of the year because he played a game not for Sydney. Well, I what, th- what happens
1: there? I, well, I think there's a potential to get injured every time you step onto the field, but also on the training track as well. And we've seen that happen in State of Origin as well. A couple of players went down with injuries. I think it's just part of the game.
4: But it's not, but it's not part of Sydney's game. It's part of the state's game. So Sydney now directly miss out on something because they're allowing the, the release of that player to play for a team that's not theirs.
2: Yeah, look, it, it's an interesting discussion that we've got to have. I think that back in the day, it was just assumed your name was in the hat to, to play State of Origin and, and you just played the, the, the teams um, that you played for just had to accept that and that was just part of the landscape. And I do feel like... That would be the way that it has to be. You know, you, if you sign a player, it's just assumed, and if he's a gun like Buddy Franklin, you sign him from Hawthorne, uh, it's just assumed that, well, you're getting a player that plays State of Origin, and that's just how it
4: is. I'm all for it. I, I loved it. So yeah. that's just a that's just question that I, I, I pose, I
2: guess. Yeah, no, it's yeah. absolutely uh, a valid question, 100%. Should we give Dylan a
0: prize? Are you a Crows fan, Dylan? Am, Excellent. Through. Double pass to Whoa. Crows v. Demons. Ooh. Catch the Crows take on the Demons <laughs> July 2 at Adelaide Oval from 4.05. Tickets on sale now at ticketech.com.au. Now Well done, Dylan. Well done. Now I can't wait for the next break. After uh,
1: 11 o'clock, we've got Chris Davies on the line. Oh, We're oh. going to delve into all things Port Adelaide. And, and the big story out of Thursday night was, of course, the concussion. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Can't wait. Triple
6: M. M, M. This motorsport update with Rusty is brought to you by Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence.
2: On the line is our mate Greg Rust from the Rusty's Garage podcast,
3: which you can get for free on the listener app. Morning, Rusty. Good morning, legends. Plenty of motorsport on this weekend.
2: And, Rusty, you're in Alice Springs this morning. What are you doing up there, mate?
3: I am here for, it's freezing, bloody freezing, as Barry Sheen would say, uh, for the Fink Desert Race, which has become kind of tradition since the mid-70s. So they get about 500-plus bikes, more than 150 cars, and they run down this piece of desert road to a township they affectionately call Fink, Apertula, uh on the Sunday of the Queen's birthday long weekend and then race back on the holiday Monday. So it's a there and back kind of challenge Toby Price is here and a big favourite to to maybe win the uh, the truck leg again Bit of
1: news around this week about some legends having a crack at Bathurst this year and the prep is underway already
3: Yeah, this is really cool So I went to Brisbane for the announcement that Craig Lowndes is going to do a wildcard drive This is awesome um, He's going to drive with a, a, a young driver by the name of Declan Fraser So really great opportunity Lowndes almost ends up like his great hero Peter Brock as a as a mentor here And it's a third car being run Under the Triple Eight banner Jamie Winkup has been the team boss there in, in recent time, having stepped away from Full-time driving, he is going to do Bathurst, he's going to pair up with the young fellow That took over from him uh, this year In Brock Feeney, so that'll be a ripper pairing Because Feeney in year one Has really impressed and continues to, to grow, so pairing him with Jamie Makes absolute sense And Garth Tander Confirmed alongside um, Shane Van Gisburg, and they are a ripper pairing and will likely start favourites. And 365 days exactly. Greg Murphy kind of had a false start last year, hoping to do a Bathurst wildcard. They're doing it again this year. It's underway. He's done some testing at Winton this week with another young Kiwi in Richie Stanaway, who kind of left the sport disenchanted, and I'm really thrilled that this guy's getting another crack at it.
1: Now, Rusty, Ducati, hasn't worked out like we thought it might for Jack Miller, our boy. He's off to a new team next year in the MotoGP. It's
3: crazy to think that this Ducati chapter hasn't been massively more successful for him. But let's not forget, it hasn't always worked out for every rider that's gone there. Really, um, Casey Stoner was the the standout on that bike. You, You may remember, of course, that it didn't goes so well when Valentino Rossi, one of the the all-time greats, went there. So uh, Jack is off. He's going to go and race for the KTM team next year. They're an Austrian-based manufacturer. They've done super things with uh, Toby Price at Dakar and an endurance kind of motorcycle racing. They might be relatively new to the, the MotoGP space, but they've got some enormously talented people behind the scenes there, and I reckon that's a perfectly timed move for Jack. Thanks, Rusty. We'll catch you next week, mate.
6: That's what I see for Bendix Breaks. Put your foot down with confidence.
0: On Adelaide's Triple M, this is the Dead Set Legend of Tom Rockcliffe, Cal Ferguson and Tomo. Now, we've had uh, Greg Blewett. uh, He's very entertaining at the
1: best of times, isn't he? Like, he's quite (laughs) humorous when he just gets a microphone in front of him. Well,
2: he's had some tough moments, that's for sure, and it's not necessarily entertainment that's meant by him. He's
1: quite often just... uh, (laughs)
2: He found himself the butt of the joke, unfortunately. He's
1: normally butchering everything, isn't oh. he? From names to pitch reports to everything, doesn't oh, he? Mate, look, he
2: has been, in my eyes, one of the better commentators going around, uh, whether it's TV or radio, um, when it comes to cricket. But in the last few years, that blooper reel has had a life of its own. It's had its own heartbeat. It's, it's started to have a conversation with you when you sit down (laughs) to listen to him on the boundary of AFL footy games, butchering names, all sorts.
1: Now, we were listening during the week to the rush hour, the the global rush hour with Andrew Jarman, Greg Blewett, Bernie Vince, And he does this segment about men's health and making sure, which is really important at the moment because it's important all the time because Mm. you need to look after yourself. But it was really interesting listening this week because off the back of him doing his back. He wanted to talk about inflammatory and anti-inflamms mm. and, and whatnot. So let's go to the audio, have a listen to the segment. See how it went. Tonight um,
6: I want to talk about inflammation. All right. Um, so there's good and bad inflammation. Good inflammation. Right, yeah. So, um, so if you get hit or you sprain your ankle, then it obviously gets inflamed. But that's your body trying to counteract and and heal Thanks that the body. A lot of people use um, if it, if they've got a sore back, they'll use anti-inflammatories. <laughs> Will they you can get at the chemist? Anti-inflammatory or Voltaren gels. There's other you get the anti-inflammatories. Bullets? You can also um, <laughs> Try and control inflammation with your right. diet, all right? So foods that cause inflammation are refined carbohydrates, so such as white bread or pastries. <laughs> Pasta. Um, He's a nutritionist now. <laughs> rice as well. That's why they say brown rice is better. Yeah. Dr. Blue. Um, so oh, my goodness. French fries and other fried foods. No How long does this go for? Inflammation. <laughs> Glad Sugar, I wasn't listening behind the wheel. <laughs> so obviously... Soft drinks. Oh my god, That sort of thing. Uh, red meat. So obviously steaks. Oh, now he's telling me to go, go veggie. <laughs> sausages, that sort of thing. Margarine a no-no as well. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so, is a no no. Is there any natural uh, anti Yes. Well, oh. Bernie's trying so hard so to stay burned. with him. <laughs> so if you want to try and, in, as part of your diet, to um, decrease your inflammation, tomatoes Jeez.
4: are good. Oh, tomatoes. tomatoes. Wow. Um, there you have it, rock? That's the
1: answer to so, it. Well, that has to be one of the worst segments ever played on Triple M Radio anywhere, isn't it? My goodness. I mean, I, I thought, you know, Bluey's health chat, I, I thought that started off pretty well.
2: There was some interesting stuff, uh, particularly around the heart, um, with, with you know, some, some issues in and amongst, um, you know, some of the greats of the game passing, but... That, you
1: know, we've already lost
0: the rush, beer
2: with
1: Bluey, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, the rush has tried to give Bluey his own time and, and yeah. let him build it up, and beer with Bluey is gone. Airspace. I mean, that, that disappeared off the face. What happened to beer with Bluey? Well, beer with Bluey's gone. Now, where's where's this segment at?
2: Well, I actually think Bluey's health chat needs a health check. We need to throw and see what situation it's at, how it's travelling as we speak.
0: 104.7, it's Adelaide's Triple F, 14 degrees for your Saturday right now. Dead set Legends, Tom Rockliffe, Cal Ferguson and Tomo. We're very lucky to have one of the best operators in the
1: AFL landscape, no, Chris Davies. Join us, one of your ex-teammates, yes, Cal Ferguson, and my boss, uh, recently footy manager of Port Adelaide Football Club, Chris Davies.
4: Tom, Ferg, how are you both? Very well, thank Fine, you. How are you? CD. Good, thanks. Hey, I'm just quick question before we start. Mm. I just had a text message from Greg Blewett, who, um, obviously another Triple M, um, you know, disc jockey. Uh, (laughs) You guys have to listen to Triple M every time you're not on the radio as well, or what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's uh, part of the contract, you know that, that you always have to pump the brand up and the company that you work for. I want to touch on Thursday night, Chris, the big story out of that was the concussion, and uh, Mark Fisher's being under the microscope unfairly in my opinion we were pretty hard on that earlier on in the show what's been the fallout there
4: I oh, know it was a big um, 24 hours rock to be honest you know um, as you said you know, the, the two guys had a pretty decent sort of head clash but um, you know not every head clash in football is a concussion or you know every cut in football is is concussion so you know fish went through um, you know what he needs to from a concussion protocol perspective and, and as you saw the AFL you know, came out and supported the way that you know, he you know, acted on the night and I think there's a few people who you know, may rethink their comments knowing you know, fully now what actually went on but um, yeah, that's what we're dealing with.
2: Well CD I wanted to ask you a little bit about that I was quite uh, intrigued by the way it was covered on air um, whilst the game was live uh, on one of the TV stations and it, it, was, it seemed like they really were questioning uh, the decision making uh, that dr mark fisher was making now the man's been in the game for 25 years i think he's got a fair idea did that you know just grind your gears a little bit and what's the what's the process in maybe raising that if you felt it was necessary
4: Oh, well, look it you know it certainly wasn't ideal for it. and from my perspective you know i think our you know, our media guys sit down on the bench so if any part of the broadcast actually wants to, to talk to those and get some update, you know, as they did earlier in the game with regard to Trent Dumont's calf. You know, our our media manager, Daniel Norton's down there to, mm. to ask questions of. So, I mean, look, I, I would have hoped that we had a relationship such that that question would have been asked before people went too far uh, on the night. But that wasn't the case. Um, so we're having to manage the fallout now. But, you know, um, as, as you said, you know, Dr. Fisher has been involved in the game for a long period of time and, you know, far be it from me to question uh, any of his decisions other than to say, you know, the process was followed.
2: And during the week, uh, Port CEO Matthew Richardson uh, came out and told Fox Footy that Ken will be our coach in 2023 after taking us to a couple of prelims and showing great strength uh, amongst a few other positive comments. Uh when the CEO comes out and makes those statements, do you do you find that it has a, a positive impact on the playing group? Do you think it's negligible? The players, you know, are just going about their business. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that?
4: Well, I think, you know, with Matthew Richardson in his, in his role as CEO, obviously, it's his prerogative to to say those types of things. And as as everyone well knows, yeah, you know, Kenny is contracted for next year. I, but what I do know is being involved in sport on a week by week basis is that someone like Ken, who has all the experience he has is not focused on any part of 2023 right now he's focused on you know how we're going to get back up and running in season 2022 that's going to start next week against sydney you know um, here at home
1: now besides the obvious fact of uh, tom rockliffe leaving the organisation what do you think's transpired over the start of the season and to have a sitting 5 and 7
4: well the reality was i was really happy with um tom rock leaving the organization i thought that would give us a, a significant spike at the start of this year so to be zero and five was um was disappointing for a whole host of reasons um you know most of which um, had to do with you know we, we were positioning our 2022 season so that was look you know i miss you rock but um, uh, look there's you know we, we we've had some injuries at the start of the year but the reality is we we felt like we should be playing much better than what we were. Um, you know, the club's done a very good job of getting itself back into the season, but at the same time, you know, we know that every loss now makes it, you know, really harder for us to end the season where we want to.
1: Now, before we so, let you go, we know that you're an avid F1 fan. Who's your tip to win the Azerbaijan Grand Prix this weekend?
4: Um, which Grand Prix is it again? What? <laughs>
1: Azerbaijan. <laughs>
4: Uh, Okay, uh, um, well, look, my my tip is Max Verstappen. uh, But if you can go back to reading out the tennis scores uh, and um, the players in there, I'd I'd appreciate it as well. Ferg, I'm not sure how you've let that go by the wayside. I think everyone needs to hear Rock pronounce a whole heap of um, different countries and um, tennis players. Well, we
2: gave him a a bit of a quiz with Bill Brownless not that long ago when he was in the studio and he got ball wrong, so that was a good start. (laughs) But uh, I'm also interested, CD, to get your feelings on on how you're seeing uh, Rocky's progression career-wise in the media. Obviously, he's only early stages, but uh, how do you see it progressing?
4: Well, it's still obviously got a, a heap of work. Fergus <laughs> certainly not as polished as, as you in any way, shape, or form. And you know, you and I both know I've put. I was able to get my hands on you a lot earlier than I was Rock, and so you know, <laughs> had to to shape both of your careers in in some respect.ive Obviously, Fergus was far more successful than my shaping of Rocky towards the end. Um, <laughs> But I think he's got a chance. He's, he's got more front than John Martin's, um, <laughs> which, is, which is important in the media. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it unfolds from here.
0: Thanks very much for jumping on the line, Chris. No, you guys. Thanks, CD. There he is, Ports football manager, Chris Davies. To wrap the show next, we'll be back. Dead set Legends, Triple M.